Now we hear from Dr June Heinrich, who's the Chief Executive Officer at the Baptist Community Services for New South Wales and the ACT. So I'll start by asking what industry trends you've noticed uh, emerging over the last few years. I think working in the aged care sector, the, the trend that's most obvious is that a need for much greater business acumen in order to cope with the uh, highly regulated marketplace that we're in, where costs are increasing but income is regulated. So we're looking for people who can operate in that kind of environment um, and maintain the long-term viability of the organisation. The other trend, I think, is the increasing frailty of our residents. Our resident mix is changing, and so the um, the, the need for very careful risk management, I think, is much higher than it was a couple of years ago. And where do you see the aged care and the community care sector heading over the next five to ten years? Well, obviously, it's a growth market mm. as the demographics um, uh, change within Australia. Uh, more and more people, however, by choice, will choose to stay in their own homes and receive community care. And the residential aged care uh, sector will be for the very frail aged at the end of their lives um, or providing respite care. So I think the nature of residential care will change um, over the next few years. We're already noticing occupancy rates falling, which means the whole sector is going to become more competitive and organisations are going to have to work out what differentiates them from everybody else in order to maintain occupancy levels. So you'd see community care growing at a much faster rate than much. residential care? It's what people want. Um, it's part of government policy. Um, and I think you talk to baby boomers in particular who are the next generation to be wanting to use aged care services and they want to stay home mm. for as long as possible. Mm. So whereas we were having people making lifestyle decisions and coming into hostels in their 70s, uh, they're staying home and having a CAPS package when they need it and we don't see them in the aged care sector till they're well in their 80s or even later. Mm, interesting. And um, the aged care sector's going through, I guess, a period of consolidation and uh, and growth, as you said, but there's a lot of uh, perhaps, uh, you know, smaller players that are sort of joining up to get economies of scale and, and so on. What sort of role do you think major not-for-profit groups like BCS will play in the period of change? Well, I would like to think that large not-for-profit organisations like BCS, through their professional approach to managing aged care organisations, will be able to form coalitions with small um, community-based organisations and uh, either amalgam amalgamate with them, take them into their fold, um, or provide services to them. But clearly what's not going to be viable in the future is small standalone facilities. They don't have the infrastructure which they're going to need going forward. Who do you see as your major competitors in the industry? Uh, when I look at the industry, I look at uh, organisations like Uniting Care, which is huge and has enormous growth potential. Uh, I look at the Catholics, and I also look at organisations like Bupa, which have just come into Australia, um, who have considerable expertise. Now, if they can adjust to the Australian culture, uh, they're a major competitor as well. Um, you made the transition from a senior position in the education sector to... Uh, into the role as CEO of BCS, what do you see as the benefits of coming to, uh, or from a, coming from a different industry, and did that also create any challenges for you? 
Uh, I think the benefits are that you bring a very different perspective. You've experienced different things. I mean, I worked, for example, in the senior executive service of the state public service. I worked in local government. I worked in the um, university sector. So you gain a lot of skills working in those different environments which you can then bring into the um, not-for-profit sector like BCS. The disadvantage when you come into an organisation like BCS working in particularly in aged care is you lack industry knowledge and so you have to have a deliberate um, program to acquire that knowledge through networking, through attending conferences um, so that you actually can gain that credibility and it takes a little while to do that, but you've got to actually decide that that's what you what that's what you lack, and you need to acquire that knowledge. Um, you, I think BCS is well known for sort of growing its own staff. So this might be a moot question, but I'm just wondering what the key issues are for you in attracting and retaining talent. Um, you've got to pay staff appropriately, and when I joined BCS, that was not the way BCS operated. We now aim to pay at the market median. We regularly uh, canvass what that market median is um, and we that's that's the area we're trying to pay at. We talk about compa ratios of one uh, so that we're on the market median. Um, if you don't also then have in place a remuneration review policy so that you increase the uh, salaries of your current staff, you'll lose them. So we also therefore every year go through a review of salaries um, and we will increase and we'll look at the compile ratios of our existing staff to the market median and we'll put in place um, salary increases to raise them to the market median. Um, if you don't do that you'll lose them. The other thing we've done is looked at uh, succession planning, career development, um, education and training so that people feel like we are interested in them them and their career and through those strategies we tend to keep our staff interesting when we lose staff they often come back to us they find the, the grass isn't greener out there particularly at the uh, middle level manager and they come back which again is something that we encourage um, so because we're a large organization we can provide um, different career paths so somebody can come in one into the organisation in one role and we have the size to to grow them and develop them and offer them different career paths and I think that helps us keep them. And when you're recruiting or when you're selecting for senior staff within the organisation either people from within or if you do have to look at outside what are the sort of generic competencies and culture fit aspects that you look for? I think one of the key things is emotional resilience. Um, you can have all the um, skills, but if you are not an emotionally resilient person, you won't survive. So we really want people who are emotionally resilient. We want people who, yes, have the skills or the potential to develop the skills. Sometimes we'll appoint somebody because we think they have the potential and we'll then set about grooming them for the role. Uh, in, within this organisation, particularly at the senior levels, we say people have to be able to operate within the mission and vision of the organisation. So if a person's not a cultural fit, no matter how competent they might be, we won't employ them. Um, and lastly, Jen, if you were mentoring an aspiring manager in the healthcare, the aged care sort of area, what would be your advice to them? 
make sure that they um, network, attend conferences, um, make sure that they are aware of current industry trends and I would encourage them to get into some sort of mentoring relationship with, with somebody. I encouraged all my senior team here to become members of the Executive Connection and they're all in key groups and um, they have the benefit then of rubbing shoulders with people from different sectors, um, but having the experience of having really first-rate speakers on a monthly basis and so they're growing and developing their knowledge and understanding. So I would encourage aspiring leaders to make sure they keep learning. I think the key is to keep learning and to develop those networks and connections.